All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. I'm going to get the macrophages and the lymphocytes and the neutrophils and all these things to do what they're supposed to be doing, which is going to take that healing to a higher level than if I just focused on that one area. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 206 of the Biohack Raves. I am Lauren tuning in from Maryland and I'm joined by my sister Renee in Las Vegas. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello to your red shirt and your red nails. You're like little Lauren. Do you have a I'm, red belt on yet? No, but I do have red underwear on. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I did not plan that, I swear. Okay, we can't just drop into this inside story without sharing with you, our audience. So we have footage of myself as a little girl. My dad came into the room with the, you know, the massive video camcorder on the shoulder, and I had a completely head-to-toe outfit on, red shirt, red skirt, red tights, and I just kept saying, I have a red belt, but I didn't put it on yet. So, uh, Renee, you I'm, are me. I'm channeling my inner Lauren today. I'm like the 4th of July over here. <laughs> you look like the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how appropriate, because we are talking about red light today, red light therapy specifically. Oh, and I see what you did in our notes. You color coded the episode title in red. <laughs> You're welcome. A lot of synchronicities here. So it's 206. And today we are chatting with 
Scott Kennedy of Lightpath LED. We've had him on the show before, but it was three years ago. So chances are you have not heard that episode. And if that is true, please go back and hear it. Uh, funny enough, that episode was 66 and today is 206 and there's red everywhere. So um, hopefully that's easy enough to remember. But so he came on three years ago and chatted about the basics of red light, but as in the world of biohacking and health, so much changes all the time and a lot has changed with his tech, but we just are completely obsessed with Lightpath LED, which is his red light therapy device company really top of the line quality, just doing things that so many other companies are not doing and with a lot of reason and intention behind it, which he's going to explain a lot about the materials, why he uses certain things and frequencies, why it's low EMF. There's a lot of surprises in here that I think we didn't even realize how special these devices are. And I still don't understand why not everyone has one in their home. I, I use it pretty much every single day. feel amazing. But really going to go a little bit deeper into the systemic health benefits of red light therapy and why you need it. And if you're wondering why we need it, because why wouldn't we just go outside? He's going to explain that. I promise. Yeah. I loved his answer when you asked like, our ancestors didn't have red light therapies. Why do we need it? I love that question. And he had an amazing answer on it. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I feel like there's always more to learn about this. And I actually appreciated how we kicked it off today asking like what has changed in two to three years because red light therapy has been around for, I don't know, like 50, 60 years, but the science is really catching up on like the different frequencies and how that's helping with certain systemic issues that then lead to better brain health or better gut health or better vagal tone or better skin health. Like it's all um, getting more specific so that's really exciting to see the science um, coming out about all that. But I'm going to go use my red light after this. I can't wait. I know. I'm so <laughs> jazzed. Uh, so I did yeah. forget to do our pop quiz because I got just so excited about the red theme that was happening. But I have a pop quiz question for you, Renee. What is oh, okay. your favorite red light stack? And I'll just give a little intro or context to that. It's a really great sort of space and time to do other things. The red light stacks really well with other modalities. So I'm curious for you, what's your stack of choice? Oh my gosh. You ready for this? Okay. Yeah. This is what I do. So I have the big diesel panel, which when I sit on the floor, pretty much covers from my lower back all the way up my head. So I'll, I'll do it facing front too, obviously for other health benefits, but my favorite stack would be my back to the panel. Then I actually put my red light face mask on. I pop a little methylene blue about 30 minutes before. And then I put my brain tap on my head and do like a 12 minute gamma session. So I'm getting just like full brain entrainment, systemic benefits, fighting pain, inflammation, mitochondrial boost. And then I'll go to the gym and I'm like superstar. Oh, that's for real superhero status. Yeah. And I do that I do that in under 15 minutes. Under 15 ah, minutes. You can't beat that. The beauty yeah, the beauty and the efficiency of that. I love that so much. Yeah. What about you? My sec is actually pretty similar. So I like doing it in the morning and when I'm on a microdosing protocol, which I'm not right now in between, but I found a really great flow with my protocol in the red light in the last few months. So I'll dose, go for a walk, 
come back 30 minutes later, kind of similar to the methylene blue. Like once it has been absorbed into my system and maybe I'm starting to, to feel some thoughts changing, perspective changing, I sit in front of my red light. So I face it actually, rather than back to the device to start out. I sit cross-legged. I put my brain tap on my head, but I flip up the lights because I yeah. want the red light into my eyeballs. And, you know, I'll use brain tap later on in the day and, and have the, the blue lights in, but in front of the red light, I flip it up. So I get the red lights into my eyes because we got, we have a lot of mitochondria in our eyes. I will start the brain tap meditation, which helps quiet my thoughts as the microdosing is starting to kick in. And then, so I'll do 10 minutes facing. Then I flip around. I do another 10 minutes on my back and I journal. Ah. And once I finish those 10 minutes, if I still have time, then I will lay on my back with my legs up on the panel. So I get the back of my legs, like hamstrings, calves, and even some feet. And at that point, Ooh. I'll transition. I'll usually like get my phone and get on Instagram or do emails or whatever. But uh, the light's not directly in my eyes at that point. So I can see a little bit better. And then I get the back of my legs, time permitting. I love that. Kind of obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't tried the leg thing. I really don't. To be honest, I don't really get red light on my legs, so I'm gonna steal that. I love that. Very Feels cool. good, especially when you're doing a lot of squatting and running. Really helps with the recovery. Oof, I'm gonna need that today. Yeah, but oh my gosh, just I'm so jazzed because red light does so many things. But if you heard the episode before, I don't want to repeat too much, but. Red light does one thing really well. It energizes the cells. And then we have just a flood of benefits from there. Really excited to just share more with you. So quick bio from Scott Kennedy. He is a certified laser light specialist and health coach. In 2018, he started the first light therapy wellness center in New Jersey, where he met with clients from all walks of life, ages, and with the gambit of issues. He started his journey 10 years ago when he suffered from peripheral neuropathy. He saw countless doctors and tried countless remedies with only limited relief. He went from running ultra marathons and boxing to being sedentary. Within four months, his symptoms decreased over 80%. The improvements he felt from light therapy were life-altering. He is now back to running and boxing and living life. His goal now is to help others to get back to doing what they enjoy in life without pain or pills. With a focus on safety and quality, he began Light Path LED to create the best home use panels on the market. He now has panels that surpass the competition at a lower price point, as well as panels with multiple wavelengths and pulsing, which no other company is doing. His commitment is always to the pursuit of optimal health and well-being for his clients and their families. All right, let's get into some red light magic. Okay. Welcome, Scott, back to the Biohacker Babes podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been too long. It has. Yeah. I think three years. Renee probably knows more specifically how many months it was, but we are overdue for a second conversation because we love red light so, so much. So the last time we covered the basics of red light and what has really stuck with us is that you said light therapy does only one thing, but it does it really well. It helps the cells create more energy. And if you only knew how many times we've quoted you on that, you would never believe it. But we say it all the time. And we think that that is just so powerful in the biohacking space because there's just endless tech and devices. And our goal as biohackers and educators is to get people to pare down and get as close to ancestral living as possible. And this device really affords that to us because it really, truly is a holistic and systemic approach to healing. So 
I'm assuming you've had a lot of advancements in technology and and potentially a lot more that's happened in the research in the last three years. So let's drop in. What is new in the realm of red light therapy? Good, good, good question. You didn't prepare me for that one. Um, <laughs> um, Put you on the, the last, spot. You know, the thing is with with light, it, the idea of light is very basic. You know, so we know how how certain wavelengths of light, no different than the sun, affects our cells. In essence, at a very basic level, it helps our cells energize and live longer. That's that's the basics of it. So the last few years, we've got a lot more research. A lot of it is more kind of repetitious, like building off of previous research. We've got more information out about what specific wavelengths tend to work better for maybe certain conditions or certain depths of penetration. Uh, We've got more research out on using light for cognitive type issues, more research on pulsing of light, which is the, the flashing on and off, and more on the systemic benefits of light, say, opposed to just, you know, localized, putting the light here, you know. Um, we're finding out more about how the body, which we already know, um, how the body works together, where there's the circulatory system, the lymphatic system, you know, the vagus nerve, the the gut brain connection, all these fascinating things that are guiding us towards where do we actually put the light to get the most effect? I think I would say those are the biggest, uh, biggest pluses that have come over the last few years. Hmm. Yeah. And my understanding is most of the research started in the 60s, right? With Russian scientists. Is that where it started? Yeah. Uh, well, Andre Mester came up with, uh, he was the first one. Lasers were theorized by Einstein, you know, back, I think, in the 40s, came to fruition in, in the 60s. And they they initially tested it uh, by, uh, in essence, putting a tumor in, in a mouse and Erating it with 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 red light with a laser, uh, just wondering if it was going to create uh, tumor growth. What they found out is no, it did not. But what was interesting is they found that uh, the mice that they tested it on, of course, you're going to shave the, the the mouse. the The mice that had the light actually grew hair quicker than the control group um, that was shaved, but without the light. So they said, "Oh, this is interesting." So a lot more tests were done. Uh, you know, Tina Carew is one of the pioneers. Uh, she's Russian. But yeah, a lot of them have been done in Russia. But a lot of it was done with NASA as well in, in the States. A lot of research being done uh, in Europe. Uh, really good research being done in uh, Australia as well. So now it seems to be, you know, pretty much universal around the world. They're doing a lot of really positive testing. And question about the hair growth. Are we seeing that more topically, like directly, you know, shining on the head area? Or can we see systemic benefits too with hair growth? Yeah. So uh, both really. So like if, okay. if someone said, hey, I'm losing hair. I mean, there's no doubt when I'm when I'm doing my light, I will put my head down. Uh, I'm not taking any chances. I've got, uh, you know, baldness runs in my family. So I'm going to do everything in my power to keep my hair intact. But depending on the, the variables, because hair loss, alopecia comes from many different things. It's not just the follicle. Uh, so if someone had 
for kidney function, that can be related to hair loss. If people have a lot of stress, a lot of toxicities in their body, that can lead to hair loss as well. Uh, so am I just going to put light on the head? I I will put light on the head, certainly to affect the follicles, but I'm going to put light on my stomach pulsing to reduce anxiety. I'm going to put light on my face here uh, to, to get light through the eyes to the brain to balance the circadian rhythm so I sleep better, to, so I can reduce inflammation from the brain area. I'm going to put it on the kidney and on the spine area. Um, I'm going to put it on the lymphatics to to get the immune system functioning better. So that's that's where we kind of get into this um, debate of localized treatment versus systemic. And a lot of devices out there are made for localized treatment only. So if someone was working on, say, cognitive, and that could be anywhere from depression post-traumatic stress disorder, up to Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's. Do I want to put light on the head? Absolutely. But I also want to put light on the glimp to help drain the toxicity. I want to put light on the stomach again for the anxiety issues, the gut-brain connection. I want to put it on the vagus nerve as well. So that's where I, I really lean towards systemic is really the way to go. And if we can get local as well, uh, you know, even better. But when we talk about brain, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, there those are issues that are um, like Parkinson's is low dopamine in the SNC part of the brain. That's really deep in there. I could put light right here. I'm not getting light to that area. Only three, four, five percent of light is actually getting to the brain tissue. But we're seeing dramatic responses in those patients. So even though I'm putting light here and that seems local, what I'm actually doing is by irradiating the blood, we get vasodilation because that's nitric oxide release. We're getting reactive oxygen species that are relaying information back to the mitochondria saying, hey, this acute stress, let's get stronger, let's pump out more ATP energy. And so even though we're putting light here, I'm still considering that more systemic. Because uh, we're not actually getting the light to that deepest part of the brain, but we're seeing great results. So are you saying that most people are actually doing systemic healing and they don't know it? Or is there a difference in the technology that's being used? Maybe some panels are not using the near infrared, which goes a little bit deeper and has those brain benefits. Is it we just don't realize how we're getting these healing benefits or difference in tech? Yeah, I think it I think it's more we're getting systemic a lot of times when maybe we we don't know that. I mean, so if it, a simple one is localized, say I've got a cut. I've cut a, I got a cut on my hand. I can I can I can put the light so like I can put like a little torch or a, a small panel right there and I'm going to get good healing. But if I also do the lymph node here, the lymph node here, uh, then I'm going to kickstart the immune system. I'm going to get the lymph vessels to expand. I'm going to get the macrophages and the lymphocytes and the neutrophils and all these things to do what they're supposed to be doing, which is going to take that healing to a higher uh, level than if I just focused on that one area. So yes, in a lot of cases, if I'm doing if I'm doing light, although I may be just hitting this spot, I'm getting light in this entire area right here. 
and that's creating vasodilation. So we're getting more blood, more oxygen to the area. We're getting angiogenesis, so we're getting more new uh, capillaries that are bringing that blood and oxygen to other damaged tissue parts in that area. So it, to, to some degree, we're always doing a little bit of systemic. I think, though, we can be doing more. Mm. So, and, and follow up. Sorry, Renee. Oh, yeah, go I, ahead. Like, if I knew nothing about red light therapy, I would say, oh, gosh, that means I'm going to have to spend a lot of time like moving it from one body part to the next. It's going to take up my entire day. What would you say to that? How can we get the kind of greatest bang for our buck, considering whichever panel size panel that we have? Yeah. So if if we've got a, a smaller device, so if we had something like like this, I mean, this is great. It's on the go. Uh, I can hit certain spots. But if I wanted to get a systemic, I'm not going to go here and do every inch of my body. That would just be insane. But if I focused on the lymph nodes, you know, so if I'm going to be focusing here, here, armpits, back of the back of the neck, um, if I've got a foot issue, uh, I can be putting light, uh, light on the back of the knee, on the front of the groin area. So there's all kinds of ways to take a small unit and be able to use it systemically. Or you can, you know, kind of take a lot of the guesswork out of it, be a little bit more simple and just get a larger device, kind of like the one behind me. This is a horizontal one, uh, but that can shine light on, you know, half of your body at, at one time. So if I'm standing in front of it and I want to get my lymph nodes, I will just, you know, go like this. If I want to get the top of my head, I can just put it down. If I want to make sure that I'm getting my thyroid, if I've got hypo, I may just lean it up a little bit. If I need to get my back, I can turn around. If I want to get my legs, then I can, you know, stand up or or move or have two panels stacked up so I can get the entire front side of my body. So that makes life easier for people uh, and certainly saves a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I guess for someone that has, maybe they're just starting the investment, they get the smaller unit. Scott, that's where you could come in and really help them target their plan or if someone is ready to invest in the bigger panel, we would say, just go for it. You're going to get the full body systemic effects, which I guess is yeah. why the the beds are popular for some people. I, I'm not a big fan because I don't know about the EMFs and the price. And I have my diesel unit at home, which I use every day. But I guess that's why people are going for that because they're thinking, okay, I'm getting the whole body effect potentially. I don't know. What do you think about the beds? Yeah. So I... I- yeah, in a, in a perfect world, they'd be great. You know, if people had the money, uh, um, they're they're yeah. ranging anywhere from sixty thousand up. Um, EMS are certainly going to be be higher in them, uh, and you've got to have the room to do it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if you were, you know, Tony Robbins has one in each of his six homes, uh, but his you know cost him one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's not really practical. <laughs> Lucky him. <laughs> nice for most of us but yeah i mean you could literally just take, if you took panels and, and put them in almost like a closet you could surround yourself with light in the exact same way with low emfs higher power and significantly less expensive so yeah you can certainly i, I think the key is is when you no matter what size you get uh one of the most important things is knowing how to use it properly um, and that's where, you know, someone like me comes in because, you know, w- whether it's through my Facebook group or we schedule a call or, 
my in-depth manual, it goes over how to use the light so that you get benefit. Because if you're not using it correctly, you're not going to be confident in using it. You're not going to see as good a result as you would hope. And then you're going to be a disbeliever or you're just going to put it on the shelf uh, and it's going to collect dust. So, and that, you know, that just sadly defeats the entire purpose of it. Yeah. I think we hear that a lot with a lot of devices because they're not super user-friendly because why would they be? It's pretty high tech. And if they all came with a little pop-up practitioner to explain to you, we would not have so many people complaining, oh, this didn't work for me. We hear that constantly. So we uh, are just so thrilled that you are so active in this process to really help people get the most out of it. Because we'll get into some of the intricacies, but all the different wavelengths and with the new diesel line, the pulsing light, I definitely want to get to that. But even before that, a question that we got quite frequently as practitioners is, why are we using red light? boxes when our ancestors didn't do that. Like you guys always talk about ancestral health. Our ancestors didn't use that. Why do mm-hmm. we need it now? And I answer our mitochondria has an onslaught in our the current modern toxic world that we're living in that our ancestors didn't. I'm assuming you have a much more knowledgeable answer. So I would love to hear what you would say to that question. Sure. Uh, you know, if we could get up, um, you know, first light and walk out every day uh, buck naked for 30 minutes. And then we could get that nice evening healing sun. We'd be less likely to need something like a panel. Uh, The problem is, is people like me, I live in a northern climate where we seemingly have uh, winter 10 months out of the year. You know, for a lot of people, it's difficult. They can't get up at first light and get sunlight. They obviously can't walk out with their neighbors buck naked. (laughs) Uh, I've tried it. It doesn't work well. It's not smart. Um, (laughs) And we've got so many toxicities, um, whether it's through diet, pesticides, herbicides, uh, air pollution, poor sleep, stress. So we're putting ourselves and our mitochondria at a serious deficit. And that deficit leads to all kinds of diseases, disorders, dysfunctions with what we hear as inflammation being the underlying cause, but it's really mitochondrial dysfunction. So yeah, if if we lived in a perfect world where like our ancestors did, where they woke up with the sun, they didn't have to go, hey, I'm going to do a two mile run. They had to run. They had to do cold plunges because they were swimming in water. They had to do breath holding because they had to get down to the bottom. They had to be working on their muscles because they were climbing and lifting. Uh, And when that sun went down, they went to bed. You know, they weren't on their phone with blue light. They weren't eating foods that were sprayed. So we just live in a different world. And, And we live in a world where you know, in order to get the, the basically the nutrients that we need, we have to find some some ways to hack it. And, and that's where red light therapy or the, the scientific name photobiomodulation comes in. Yeah, that is such a great explanation. I, I'm going to have to we're going to have to use that clip a lot, Lauren, because I think, yeah, like biohacking to me is how do we combine that ancient wisdom and being in nature with the access to the amazing technology we have today? Because you're right, we are living in a different world and light is a nutrient. 
And you think about like, you know, the diet has rapidly declined, right? The nutrient density is very low. So what do we do? We add supplements. We're lacking light. We're like light deficient because we're inside 90% of the day. I mean, not myself, but most Americans are inside 90% of the day. So yeah, we have to hack light as a nutrient. So there, that's where red light comes in. So I think we have to take advantage of the technology. So more into the technology, the pulsing. I feel like this is really new and I don't feel like I can adequately explain it. So maybe you can share more about that. Uh, so pulsing is a simple flashing on and off of the light, but it's very, very specific. Unlike say flicker, where you walk into an old warehouse and you see the lights kind of railing a little bit, that's unhealthy. Uh, but pulsing is like every second we have a certain amount of Hertz. That could be one flash, which is one Hertz all the way up to 10,000. What they found is when they compare pulsing to what we'd call continuous wave, which is just light on constantly, that in many of the cases, they're finding extra benefit with the pulsing. They're still delving in to figure out exactly what's going on, what's the reasoning, but they have a pretty good idea, particularly when we talk about brain health. So we can pulse the light at 40. That's considered gamma or 10 alpha. It resonates with our natural brain wavelengths. And that's where we see some real improvement. So 40 hertz, we see this with sound as well, because whether it's the ear taking in the sound uh, through the hairs and the cells and changing that into electrical stimulus that gets transferred to the brain, we're doing the same thing with light. But in, in this case, we're doing it, uh, you know, light photons being absorbed through the eyes. And then that gets changed to electrical stimulus to the brain. So it's like brain entrainment. So if we can do 40 hertz or 10 hertz on the brain, we're seeing benefits beyond what we've normally seen, particularly for people with cognitive type issues. So that could be stroke, depression, anxiety, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's as well. We're also seeing light being used uh, and showing greater benefit for wound healing, for bone fractures, pulsing the light seven to 10 hertz on the stomach, reducing anxiety greater than, say, continuous wave. So there's more research needs to be done. And we're getting to that point where they're starting to kind of fine tune pulsing uh, to determine exactly what is the best pulse for this? What is the best pulse uh, for this? How much is it actually benefiting you beyond, say, the typical continuous wave? Uh, you know, and, and these are things interesting. Although I was the first one to put it in a panel, pulsing has been around being used in by practitioners and wellness centers uh, for uh, pad systems, which lie right on the skin or small devices like torches, you know, for 20, 30 years with great results. But like everything, it starts off with anecdotal evidence and it builds and builds and builds uh, to a point where science says, okay, this is interesting. Let's start studying it. And that's kind of where we are now. Mm, yeah. It's so it's mostly due to the frequency or is, this a, is there a natural piece of the pulsing that's found in nature? Is there flickering in nature or in our cells that make that make them more responsive and coherent in that way? Yeah. So they're, they're trying to figure that out. So there, there is a lot of thought of resonance. So everything in our body vibrates or pulses. 
and and no different than we took two tuning forks and and we struck one at you know a hundred you know hertz, hundred pulses per second vibrating. It'll eventually this one right here will match up to it. So that's really what we're doing with the body now. Other thoughts are, and, and it, it's not mutually exclusive. It could be a, a few other things. When we look at the, the mitochondria within the cell, you know, there's usually hundreds of thousands of mitochondria in each cell. In the last step of the respiratory chain, cytochrome C oxidase has a pump. It spins 9,000 uh, RPM, so 9,000 rotations per minute. That pulls in oxygen and creates ATP energy. That's what 90% of our daily energy comes from. But that pump can get clogged up by nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a wonderful, wonderful uh, molecule for our body. But if it's clumping up that mitochondria, stopping it from flowing, we're getting less energy. That's not a good thing. So the thought is what light is actually doing when it gets absorbed by that mitochondria, that nitric oxide pops off allowing this to start spinning correctly and pumping out that ATP. But the thought is that that nitric oxide will reattach. But if it's pulsing light, it's going like this. And constantly, every time it's trying to attach, that next pulse comes in and knocks it off. So in some of the research, they showed greater ATP production with pulsing compared to um, continuous wave. Uh, the other thought is that pulsing, when you talk about the cell, it has a, a water sheath around it, IWL, and that can be viscous and that can block certain, particularly calcium ion channels, which feed the cells and feed the mitochondria to produce more of that ATP energy. So what they found also is not only just pulsing, but pulsing of near infrared can help kind of thin that wall out, make it more permeable so that more ions or heat ions are able to uh, open up and then feed that cell to create more of that energy. That's fascinating. I'm kind of picturing someone like tapping on your shoulder over and over again, like, hey, 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 pay attention mm -hmm. to me rather than one hand on a shoulder and saying, hey, one time you're like, I'll listen to you later. Right. It's like movement, which is, you know, the natural dynamic process of the body. Hey, biohackers, here is a fun pop quiz for you. How many sailors throughout history died from scurvy caused by a vitamin C deficiency during the time of Columbus? A, 20,000, B, 200,000, C, 2 million. Do you have your answer? All right, drum roll, please. The answer is 2 million. Can you believe 2 million people had to die before we figured out this vitamin deficiency? Here's where it gets even crazier. There is another little-known deficiency right now, potentially hurting millions of people around the world. And the disease it's causing, amongst potentially many things, it is causing insomnia. According to a study published by Academic Press, magnesium deficiency is a leading cause in sleep disruption in both children and adults. The problem is, not just any magnesium will do. Recent studies have shown that there are actually seven different forms of magnesium, and our body needs them in the precisely right balance for proper sleep. There's really only one magnesium supplement on the market that has the full spectrum of all seven forms, and it is called Magnesium Breakthrough. I know you have heard us talk about it because we love this product so much. 
I have to tell you, when I take this stuff, I just feel complete. Like my body is finally getting something that's been desperately needing for a long time. If you want to learn more about this formulation, Magnesium Breakthrough, you can go to magbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes and use the code biohackerbabes10 to get 10% off your first bottle. If it doesn't fix your sleep, your digestion, and energy levels like it did for us, or if you're not satisfied for any reason, they will give you a very prompt and courteous refund on the spot guaranteed. Again, to check it out, go to magbreakthrough.com backslash biohackerbabes and use our code biohackerbabes10 to get 10% off of your first bottle. There is a very good chance that this is the missing link that your body has been craving, and we do not want you to miss out. All right, biohackers, let's get back to the show. Just a quick question. I don't know how important it is to this conversation, but why, what causes nitric oxide to get clumped? I'm not familiar with that pathway. Toxicities. Ah. I mean, it at, slows everything at, down. at a very basic level. Yes, just, just uh, basically toxicities, uh, poor health, poor nutrients, all the things that we talked about that, that are in today's world, that's what's causing that nitric oxide to to kind of clump up and, and to keep that mitochondria from functioning correctly. Mm. So I said is nitric oxide is so important to the body because it's a vasodilator and it's a, it's a huge uh, signaling molecule. So when nitric oxide in our blood creates that vasodilation. So when we talk about people with, uh, whether it's uh, type two diabetes or any kind of a cardiovascular issue or, or stroke patients, um, just that vasodilation and getting more blood to the area, more oxygen to the area is huge for athletes that are performing. They've done studies pre-workout using light that they've been able to actually exert themselves harder or do more weight or more repetition. And then afterward, they have less inflammation. Better yeah. than eating a bagel and cream cheese or banana and yeah. peanut butter before you're... 10k <laughs> right it's use or, light or even it sounds better than even like a nitric oxide supplement which i mean those are like all over the store shelves now but actually i was recently talking with uh dr nathan bryan and how a lot of the products don't actually increase nitric oxide so you're wasting a lot of money on that so a better option would be just to do red light because then it's supporting the natural production that your body wants to do this is my right. takeaway yeah, yeah yeah well, like add-on exercise is great for nitric oxide. Um, beets, uh, leafy vegetables, uh, meat, uh, nuts, all kinds of other things. You know, if you just go to more of a a, a whole food diet, you know, and mm -hmm. then add light onto it, that's that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense to me. So, what about the higher frequencies? And you mentioned like ten, forty. You said it can go up to ten thousand. When would it be appropriate to start to scale to the higher frequencies? Yeah, it seems like uh, uh, you know the research has gone up as as far as I've read up up to about eight eight thousand. Wow, I would say the the great majority of the research though has been in the lower frequencies. So that's been in the one hertz, two hertz, ten, twenty, forty, a hundred, three hundred. Most of it have been done in that range. So um, so I would certainly like to see them do more uh, studies on some of the higher 
pulse frequencies as well. We know for sure that the higher pulse frequencies definitely help with uh, reducing pain because it helps to block the C-pain fibers. So we know that comes from higher pulse frequencies. But yeah, it would be nice for science to get in there uh, and give us some more answers with with those. So when I when I'm working with someone, you know, mine go up to up to ten thousand, uh, and I've got you know the ones that are more uh, science backed, whether that's you know the two, uh, the ten, uh, the forty, uh, two ninety four have been studied a little bit, and then we get into uh, some some of the Noget frequencies, which have not really been put into a lab as much to study. Uh, but it's certainly been used in wellness centers for, again, the last 20 years with a lot of good results. So we're still at that point where we, we need the anecdotal evidence and the science to come together. Uh, mm. So I think with, with time, time we'll get there. So I'll, I'll tell clients, I will find them a higher pulse, maybe like a 587, which is a nausea, which is good for organs and lymphatic system. And I'll have them alternate with a 40, which is great for brain health uh, and is great for inflammation reduction. And I'll have to, I I have them alternate both of those just because it makes more sense and focus on one. uh, Let's, let's, let's see what benefits you get from a higher and a lower and combine them. And are those benefits going to be immediate? How does someone, how do you guide someone to understand what's going to feel better? What does feel better? What's actually working? Is there immediate feedback? It's always tough because uh, everyone's going to be different. No different than if, if you're taking your vitamin D. You're not going to notice it the very next day. So well, when we talk about, you know, case by case, if someone has an acute injury, uh, whether they twisted an ankle or something, you're going to see the results pretty quickly within just a couple of days. If someone has some, something like shingles or uh, herpetic lesion, we're seeing that it heals in about half the time as normal. Mm. When I worked with people with cognitive type issues, uh, it could be that third or fourth time, they're starting to have deep dreams that they haven't had in years, or they're starting to dream for the first time in a long time. They're they're noticing that they, they, they're losing their balance less after just a few sessions. But if someone has, like say an autoimmune, uh, like a fibromyalgia or a rheumatoid arthritis, you know, these are things that have built up for years, if not decades for a lot of people. And for those people, I say, it's going to benefit you. It's going to help you manage the issue. And the longer you've had it, the longer it's going to take to see results. But those those results may be baby steps. It might be less stress and anxiety, which is always going to add on to any kind of disease disorder that we have, is we get so stressed out, partly because we've got that disease or disorder. Um, They're noticing that they're sleeping better. That's going to be huge just for their mood, for their energy levels. And then they start noticing less pain, less inflammation. Maybe they can get out and they can walk a couple miles more than they could prior to. Maybe they wake up in the morning and their first thought isn't, oh, I've got this issue. And maybe that's not the last thing that they think about when they put their head in on their pillow. That's really the key with, with light is we're not going to cure you with these types of decades-long disorder. We're going to just try to help you manage so that you can actually go through the day 
Um, and that's not the first thing that's always going to be in your mind. Mm-hmm. I think if those benefits alone, greater mood and energy were the only things that would still be really, really valuable because motivation just drops enormously when we're trying to do behavioral change or, or go through healing. So I love that. And I feel that I definitely feel that my mood instantly after sitting in front of a panel is better. And I just wanted to circle back to, um, the shingles lesions. I get cold sores from time to time. And the last one that I got, you know, it's so frustrating. It's on your face. Oh, why on the face? And there's just like this ridiculous, um, phrase about cold sores. It's like, if you treat it, it's going to last 14 days. If you don't treat it, it's going to last 14 days. Like, ah, it's just going to be two weeks, no matter what. I used the panel the last time I had one, seven days. Yeah. Yeah. Cut in half. Wow. Half. Yeah. And we saw that in the, you know, my background is actually in the dental field. I did that in the Air Force. And then I, when I, I got out, I did uh, dental hygiene. And so we were using very high power lasers to cut tooth structure, to cut soft tissue. But instead of putting it on the lip where I would burn it, if I pulled it back, uh, and, and that energy was over a wider area to the point where it wasn't cutting the tissue, but it was just the energy of those photon lights. We were seeing dramatic increase in healing. And when you ha- not only were we seeing an increase, but we were seeing a reduction in that lesion returning. Mm. Because a lot of times the lesions wow. come in that same stinking place. Yep. So when you start treating that, you'll start noticing, oh, I'm not getting that normal monthly or or I've got a cold or I've got the fever, like a, they call it a cold or a fever blister, or I'm super stressed. It's not coming out. I'm not seeing it. I've only had a couple breakouts this year as opposed to 12. So that's where light not only helps that issue, but can extend the longevity of benefits. Hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the dental component, I mean, with our dad being a dentist, I remember he was using lasers back in the early nineties, I want to say, and he would bring home his dental unit. And if Lauren and I had like a ballet injury, he'd put the same thing like on our knee or ankle or whatever. Looking back, I'm like, wow, dad really knew so much back then. Oh, he knows a lot today. (laughs) Absolutely. And, And back then, it's like they just gave the doctor a laser and you figure it out. Yeah. So they had to really delve in to understand, okay, what power do I need to have just this photobiomodulation uh, benefit? How much power do I need to cut tissue? And let's make sure I don't kind of goof that part up. So, you know, those were the dentists that that I actually learned a lot from, the people that stepped outside of their dental box to learn about how, whether it was a laser or nowadays uh, LED light to heal. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) And so I'm also curious with the panels before we hit record, you had mentioned like having the fan and the power behind the unit. Like how was that different in, in light path LED versus something you would get off of Amazon per se? Yeah. So the, the problem is, is, is light is really new to a lot of people. So understandably, people are going to be like, okay, I want to get the light. I know it's going to help me out, but, you know, can I afford, you know, a thousand or 500 or 2000 to get this when I see this on Amazon or somewhere else for two or $300? 
and people don't know the huge differences between them. It's, I don't know a great comparison other than it's like buying a, you know, a Ford as, as, as opposed to a, you know, a Lamborghini, you know, uh, that's not the best analogy, but it gives you an idea. So when we talk about, when we talk about light, uh, first thing is just the sheer quality of the device. Um, is it made with iron aluminum or is it made with, uh, uh, plastic or kind of like a plexiglass cover. Those are going to warp. They're going to crack. They're going to break. If it's cheap on the outside, you know, the wiring is poor. The the bulbs are poor. The fan is poor. That's all going to lead to greater EMF as well. If the if the bulbs aren't high quality, then you're not going to get the pr- proper wavelengths. If you see a panel and it's really thin, you know, it's very low power because it doesn't have fans to dissipate the the heat so you're going to get a, a inexpensive device but you're literally going to have to place it right on top of you for about two hours to get to the same effect and now you've got two hours of emf um mm. well you know so there's huge differences just in how we manufacture a panel and i and i would say i'd be willing to bet quite a bit that my devices cost more to manufacture than any other panel on the market because I'm focused on what's going to be best for the customer and how can I do that and bring all the science that we've got as well. So that's going to be the pulsing. That's going to be the correct wavelengths. That's going to be the correct beam angle. That's going to be the correct proportion of red light to near infrared light for deeper penetration. So all those things, not to mention just being able to have someone to call and say, hey, here's what I'm going through. How do I best use the device or a Facebook group so you can ask questions to other people? Um, all that amounts to giving giving the consumer something that they're going to be able to use for years and years and years, and they're going to know how to use it. They're going to, they're going to be able to uh, become educated with the device so that they can use it optimally. And that's that's the key. So whether that's, you know, that's, you know, if you're going to go out and get something that's low grade, uh, poor quality, high EMF for $200 that may last you six months to a year, is that really going to benefit you in the long run? Uh, I would say, of course not. Yeah. yeah, we talked on a yeah. podcast recently about the biohacking graveyard of all the devices that don't get used or break, and then it's just in the landfill, you know, wasting space, harming the planet. It almost sounds like these higher EMF devices or just having any EMF output, you know, I'm trying to mitigate that as much as possible. It almost sounds like we're just negating the benefits if we're bringing in EMF while trying to do the healing. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I think the longevity and the durability of your products, I think you actually extended the warranty recently, which is a huge testament, I think, to the product that you're putting out. Is that true? Yeah. So the so the the panels are five years, which um, it, it's the highest. Most companies, one, two, maybe some of the bigger companies are at, are at three years, but no one else is at five years. Mm, yeah, that's incredible. And I think... With biohacking tech, I think we have to look at it as an investment in our health, the better quality, the lower EMF. And I, you know, I mentioned the red light beds before. I actually found there's a biohacking center a mile from my house. I just went to check it out. 
I use their red light bed and it's $80 for a 20 minute session in the bed. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, even if you did that two days a week, I mean, you you bought yourself a panel so fast. And then you can also do it in the comfort of your own home when you, you know, can do it anytime. You can do it every single day. It's like, it just, I'm not going to drive over there and do that. That doesn't make any sense. So. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I tell people, there's, there's some gyms that have beds and I'm like, hey, if it's free, use it. Take Take advantage <laughs> of it. But a lot of those beds. They may be red only, so they, they've got no infrared. Yes. And red, red only. Red, red is great for skin. It's great for de- vasodilation, but it's only penetrating skin deep because it gets absorbed in the blood. Where near infrared penetrates significantly further, a good couple inches into the body. So near infrared, that's your bone, organs, lymphatics, brain. That's the big one right there. So if you got a, a bed that is either red only or they've got the the, the tubes, that's going to be really low power as, as well. And they're going to be high in EMF. So, you know, again, if it's free, it's kind of like beer. If someone gives me a Budweiser and it's free, I'm going to drink it, you know, and I'll <laughs> enjoy it. But it's not going to be my first choice. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, again, if you can get access to that, I'd say... To be, yeah, go for it. You might as well. Yeah, I agree. Good analogy. <laughs> Can you talk to us a little bit more about hormesis? You briefly mentioned this before we started recording. Everyone in the biohacking world is obsessed with these short doses of stress because it makes us more resilient and stronger. How does red light really fit well into that category? Yeah, so hormesis is kind of defined as uh, an acute insult. I don't know if that insult is the greatest <laughs> word because it's like, it's not sure. like calling names. But it's an acute stress on the body. We just talked about our ancestors. Uh, We evolved to be able to grow bigger and stronger because of these acute stresses. Um, Our body needs these acute stresses. And these acute stresses are exercise. It's cold plunge. It's uh, fasting is a big one. Sunlight is a big one. So all these stressors that our ancestors did as a normal daily part of their lives builds our system to be stronger. It's kind of that saying anything that it doesn't kill you makes you stronger. In this case, it's absolutely true. Even with um, homeopathy, it's very similar. You can take something that is considered to be poisonous, dilute it to a very, very, very small fraction of that poisonous state and have real benefits. Again, those small acute stresses really make a difference for our body. So uh, a, a good example would be if if I'm sitting on the couch, I'm a couch potato, and I want to get up and run a marathon. If I try to do that right now, um, I'm either going to die partway through, or I'm going to be in serious pain for a long time. But if I start slow, if I do, if I walk a half mile, and then I start to jog a little bit, and then I build up, What is actually happening at a cellular level is reactive oxygen species are being released into our system. That is a signaling molecule that then uh, signals back to the mitochondria and say, hey, buddy, uh, get your ass in gear. This sucks. And so the mitochondria starts to populate. So um, they grow bigger. 
They grow more of them. They produce more ATP energy that creates all these cascades of effect. And what you see is, okay, last week I could run a quarter mile. Now I'm at a half a mile. Next week I can be at a mile. And I can slowly and safely build up to that marathon. If if you've ever been in a cold tub of water, I'm sure you have, that first time you get in there, it is such a shock to the body. By your 10th yeah. or 20th or 50th time, you get in there and you're cool. No big deal. That's our body. And that's not just hormesis physically. There's also mental hormesis as well. Your mind learns how to prepare for these kinds of stresses. But again, this is what our body was normally doing you know, back in our ancestral days. So what I tell people, you know, you're not going to use one form of hormesis and change your life. If, if you can go out and exercise, great. But if you're still smoking, good luck. If you're using red light, great. But if you still live in a, a house with mold, water damage, you're going to be limited in your success. If you're doing cold plunges, but you're eating Snickers and whatever else, you're going to be limited. So I try to get people to do, you know, a couple acts of hormesis a day. That could be your light and exercise. That could be fasting and a sauna. Um, that could just be going out in the sunlight and, and, and getting a walk in. That could be grounding. So that's where I really like that science is coming in because it's starting to take all these things that we thought of as separate. Oh, sauna is the way to go. Oh, cold plunge is the way to go. Oh, red light or this. And we're starting to understand all of these things, when you look at the benefits of them, they are so similar. If I took all the benefits of sauna and cold plunge and red light and fasting, you're going to see probably 70, 80, 90% of them all have the same benefits because they're all working at a cellular level with acute stress hormesis to make our bodies stronger. That's really the key. Mm. Yeah. But the benefit on top with light is that we get the nutrient. We get the nutrients and the stress, which nothing can beat that, my opinion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit of a hormetic stressor, and then we adapt. Some stressor, we adapt. So maybe even like fasting plus red light, maybe it's not one plus one equals two. Maybe it's one plus one equals five. Like I would imagine all of these are just building upon each other and the results are exponential. And actually, which brings me to a point, one of my favorite biohacks is combining methylene blue with red light. Do you do that, Scott, personally? I do. do. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, I... I'm never good at being organized with my schedule. So like if you were supposed to do the drops, you should do that one hour prior to the light. I can never plan that far in in my life. So because you want you, if you're ingesting it, you want it to be able to get into your bloodstream because that's where the light is going to be able to hit it. Now you could do IV and pump a whole liter into your system and use the light immediately and get the success because methylene blue on its own is great. It's like 150 years old that we've seen great results. It's a photosensitizer in in the sense that it helps actually pull the red light um, deeper into the body. And there's a synergistic effect with that. So, yeah, those are two really good things to do together. 
Uh, I'm really, uh, I'd love to see where science is going to go when they start combining, just like you said, like exercise. We already know that, hey, if I use light before I exercise, I'm going to create vasodilation with nitric oxide. I'm going to get more oxygen to my my quads if I'm doing hills or my calves, or I'm going to get more oxygen to my biceps if I'm doing curls. That's a synergistic effect right there. That's one plus one equals three or four or five. We just found out cold plunge actually prior to exercise is better than exercise and then cold plunge. If we could do, you take it a step further, if we could do red light, exercise, infrared sauna, you see how we start stacking these things up. Now, it doesn't mean you have to go crazy with this stuff and create this whole you know wellness center in your home. Uh, because so many of these things is, you know, you want to exercise, just put on a pair of shoes, go for a walk, go for a hike, go for a little jog, uh, grab some simple weights. You don't have to, you don't have to go crazy with this stuff, with your time and with your budget. It's just taking a little bit of time out each day. And you may do light two, three times a week. You may do sauna one day a week. I mean, cold plunge, how much money does that take? You know, fill up your tub, put some ice in it. You're good. Do that for three minutes a day, 11 minutes a week. That's great. Fasting, breath holding is great as well. Just breath work in general, as you know, breathing through the nose, 5.5 seconds in, 5.5 seconds out, or Wim Hof. Um, all these things. I mean, when I'm doing light, I do breath work. There's no point. And uh, yeah, why, why not? not? You're, you're there anyways. Take full advantage of it. So that's that's where if if I tie it all back together because I was rambling and I told you to cut me off when I start rambling. <laughs> Love all the stacks. This is where the whole the whole picture starts to come together and we go, oh, okay, I'm starting to get it. It's not this, this, this. It's how all these things affect us at a cellular level. That's the key. Mm-hmm. Right. Amazing. So I'm cur- uh, curious about your current thoughts on best practices. I know there is a lot of different variables between wavelengths and the pulsing versus continuous red, near infrared. But what are uh, kind of just a basic practice? Obviously, it's hormesis, so we could do too much. What is the sweet spot with red light? Yeah. Uh, again, you know, it depends on each person. So I would say for the average person, uh, three times a week is good. Now, if I'm doing the front part of my body, that may take me 15, 20 minutes, depending on how big my device is. So that's Monday. Tuesday, I can do my backside. If Wednesday, I want to do my side, my other side, I, I can I can totally do that. So every day, I'm getting a little bit of light, but it's going to different parts of the body. Someone who is a professional athlete, and this thing, a lot of professional teams, a lot of Olympic teams are using light now because they see the benefits of it, they're taxing their body quite a bit. They're using up a ton of energy, cellular energy. They could be using it every single day without getting to that point where it's too much. So everyone's going to be a little bit different on that. And someone that's new, I have them start off really slow. So they may only do a minute, or I may have them stand further away from the device because there's less power with distance and do 10 minutes. But it's again, it's a lot less power than if I'm up close. 
And that's just to help prepare the body, particularly if they've got a lot of toxicities and their lymphatic system is stagnant. So we start to get that really nice detox effect, but it's got nowhere to go because of the lymphatic system. So we start off slow and build our way up. Okay. And in one single session, how long would be too long? Depending on the power, of course, of the device, you know, so science, we want to get around six to 10 joules to that tissue that we're, that we're trying to, to work with. So for most good panels, you know, well-made panels, you're looking at about 10 to 15 minutes of time. After that, you're kind of wasting time. And then there's a certain point where the benefits go down. So it's like watering a potted plant. I don't want to just do a, a, a drop of water, drop of water. I don't want to take a whole bucket and flush. And I don't want to put a hose on that and just go for hours. I want just enough to fill the soil to saturate that water to give that plant benefit. I don't want to overdo it. I don't want to underdo it. Fortunately, with light, there's a there's a wide therapeutic range. So we really don't have to be worried about it. It would probably be standing in front of that panel for an hour before you would ever get to that to that point. Um, what I tell people is as they, you know, because sometimes we get a little too dogmatic with, with things. After people get exposed to the light for a few months, I tell them, start going with your intuition. So you don't have to be doing exactly 15 minutes, 12 inches away. If you're if you're planning on doing 15 and, and 10 minutes goes by and you go, you know what, I'm feeling pretty good. You're good. You're done for the day. If you do the 15 and you're like, ah, this this feels good. I really feel like I need a few more minutes. Do a few more minutes. Because just like vitamin D, every single day, it's going to be a little bit different on what our body needs. Yeah, just I want to say that's really great advice using intuition because I think a lot of us can get attached to numbers. I know younger me would be like, well, I said I was going to do 15 minutes. And at the 15 minute mark, I'm going to turn it off. But these days I feel so good in front of it. So I do, I listen. I'm like, okay. And then I, having that openness allows me to go, okay, now I feel complete and I can turn it off. But it is hard for me to turn it off because it feels really, really good. <laughs> yeah. And and people unfortunately think more is better. And uh, again, going back to the potted plant, no, more more is not better. There's something called the Arndt Schultz, which is kind of that curve where a little bit of a good thing is really good. Too much of it, and it starts going downhill. No different than exercise. Depending on where you are uh, in your regimen, at that time, a half mile be, may, be, be, may be your max. You overdo that, you're taxing your body, you're taxing your cells, and you're going to end up damaging your, your body. And then you brought up like red and near infrared. So again, we said red is skin deep. Near infrared penetrates a lot further, but near infrared takes longer to penetrate because it's got to go deeper in there. So with my panels, they're only 33% red, 66% near infrared. Because when you're in front of that panel, it only takes a few minutes before that red has saturated that tissue. More red light is not doing you any good. So why have 50... Just, I think every other panel has it 50-50. So why have that energy dedicated to red when you don't need it? So that's why I've dedicated two-thirds of the energy to near-infrared. So why that why that red only has to go this far 
that near infrared is reaching its maximum uh, depth at the same time. Hmm. And so like with each bulb, each, each one of my bulbs has three diode chips in it. It has one red, two near infrared. Mm. I love that. Yeah. I didn't realize the percentage was like that. Yeah. I kind of assumed it was a 50, 50, but that makes a lot more sense. Very cool. Well, Scott, thank you for all that you do and for sharing your wisdom with our audience about red light. I think this will answer many of the red light questions that we get. So thank you for that. Um, Mm -hmm. To leave our audience maybe with one final piece of advice, something you can share with them that they could start doing today to optimize their health. Well, if you if you're going to start today, I think the best thing is to find the foods that aren't processed, do some breath holding and go for a walk in the sun. Love that. And go to Life Path LED and put in your order. How about that? Little plug. <laughs> That's a given. That's a given. <laughs> go outside, get some light so you have the brain power to invest in the thing that's going to change your life. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Scott, okay. so much. This is so lovely to chat with you again. And I feel like there's still so much for us to learn about red light. I'm so fascinated. But thank you uh, for always just dedicating your time and sharing your experience and your knowledge. Really, really thank you. grateful uh, for thank you. you as well. And uh, uh, let's do this again, not in three years, but a little bit sooner. How about that? That is a deal. Yes. We would yes. love that. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And then uh, for everyone listening, uh, we will put in the show notes how you can find Scott, follow Scott. So Facebook group, uh, the Red Light for Beginners group is awesome. Instagram and then lightpathled.com. And I believe uh, our discount code is still Biohacker Babes. Thank you for offering that, Scott. You're welcome. And, and then um, we'll we'll do a ten percent off with that with that code as well. Oh, wonderful! Thank you so much. Amazing, amazing. All right. Thank you so much, Scott. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.